everybody. Um, super, super good to be with you guys again. My name is Zach, and I'm also the backup today. So uh, get to have a good time and, and hang out with you guys today. As you guys know, um, each month uh, we we like to worship together in, in different ways as, as, as a church family. And obviously we, we love to sing with one another. We love to um, read God's word with one another. And uh, we also like to eat food together. Sunday first breakfast, we love doing the Lord's Supper. All these different ways that we get to worship with one another. And um, the third week of the month, we, we, we try to stay in rhythm with hearing from some of our church family and what God is doing in their life today. Because I think it's important for us to not only uh, hear from God, but hear how he is working through one another as well. And so we have the Bowens with us today who are going to come on up and we're going to ask them some tough questions. The Bowens are uh, in our community group led by Andrew and Lexi. And uh, yes, they're, they're awesome. And so it would be uh, so good to, to have you guys hear from them a little bit and hear a little bit more of what God is, is doing in their lives. And so we can go ahead and just kick this off and you guys can just introduce yourselves. Sure. So I'm Kyle Bowen and this is my wife, Ashley Bowen. Awesome. And how long have you guys been a part of Origins? Uh, we started coming here like right at the beginning of this year. Okay. Yeah, so back in January. Awesome. And uh, what do you guys do? What do you guys do for a living? Uh, I'm currently in physical therapy school. I'm a second grade teacher at Southside Christian School. That's awesome. So if you guys like break anything, like you need, you need help, you can just go straight to Kyle and he'll just fix <laughs> you up right away. Or, or if you need uh, help with your homework or something, <laughs> we, we have it all. The, the power couple right here. It's great. Dream team. The dream team. Um, so when you guys are thinking of like what you do for a living and even in your neighborhood and stuff, how does the gospel then uh, affect your faith as individuals? Um, couple but also to how God uses that to impact other people. Yeah, I think that in my job, um, it's exciting because like I not only have like the privilege but the responsibility to share the gospel with the kids in my class. Um, and so, you know, I spend all the time, all week with them, eight hours a day. And I think it has really been just clicking with me that my actions and my words, like not only just about the gospel, but in response to being with 20 children all day and how I manage my classroom and um, my words with them and my tone with them. Um, they know that I love Christ, and so they're looking at me to see what, what does a Christ follower do, how do they act, um, and so I think that that has been something the Lord has really been working on me in and just bringing that to the forefront of my mind and thinking about um, how I can impact those kids with the time that I have. So I would say, so I am in my second year, second year of physical therapy school. So I'm about to go to my first clinical next Monday, actually. Um, so that's definitely like when I saw the questions, that's definitely the first thing that I thought of. Like, I'm definitely going to be seeing, you know, patients every day that I don't know. Um, I don't know their backstory. I don't know anything about them. Um, but kind of like in line with what she said, like, you know, I have a great privilege to, to meet all those people um, and not only, you know, try to help them physically, but um, kind of be a light for them spiritually. Um, um, and then something else I've been thinking about is uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my CI. Um, and I, don't, I haven't met him. I don't know anything about him. Um, so that could be a great opportunity to share the gospel with him. Ask him if he likes ketchup or mustard on his hot dog. And whatever answer he gives you, I'm sure you can yeah. go there and not yeah. even talk to that. See if you meet Jesus or not. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just 
Sure thing. I told him I wasn't going to ask any off-wall questions, and <laughs> there it is. So. But uh, cool. Well, how can we be praying for you guys as, as a church family? Uh, I would say definitely just with the clinical coming up, um, that's definitely like a big jump for me. Um, just that everything goes well, um, that I have, you know, repeated opportunities to kind of share the gospel with my patients and things like that. Yeah, um, and then another big thing going on with this was a couple months ago, Kyle was diagnosed with diabetes, and so we've been walking through that and just learning how to manage that and what that means for us. Um, and so it's been a it's been a journey so far trying to figure that out. But if you guys could keep praying for us with that, that would be awesome. For sure. Well, we can go ahead and uh, bow our heads and spend some time in prayer with them. So I'm going to pause for a couple of moments, catch my phone first, and. Uh, if there's anybody in here who feels led to led to pray for both Ashley and Kyle, you can go ahead. Um, if, then if the pause gets too long, I'll go ahead and jump in and pray. But uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Well, God, we... Uh, we just thank you for all you do for us. Um, our, our lives are uh, dependent on you, and our lives are um, to be lived for you. And God, just hearing and uh, getting to know Ashley and Kyle, um, just seeing how you're working in their hearts, even in the midst of different challenges and circumstances in life. Um, God, it's just so cool to see how you're continuing to use them um, in the areas that you have placed them. Kyle, is he's going to physical therapy school, and Ashley, she is teaching um, God, I pray that you would just continue to bless both of those areas, that um, you would help them just love people where they're at, that people would see you through the way that they love them, and ultimately, God, through the way that they share the gospel. And so I just pray for that area in their life, and God, also as a, as a, as a couple, that you would continue just to strengthen their marriage and grow them closer to you um, and closer to one another, God. And I pray for, for Kyle as he's navigating um, uncertainty and different and depths of uh, just challenges with his diabetes diagnosis and God that you would uh, just help him um, help him trust in you and help them both just uh, lean on you God during times of struggle and in times of triumph so we love you Jesus we praise you in your name amen thank you guys All right, well, we're going to continue through um, Mark chapter 2. And uh, there we go. Mark chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 23 through 28. Um, and so we're going to jump ahead a little bit. There, there's two passages left in, in this chapter. And um, Matthew, when he comes back next week, he's going to speak on uh, the passage before. This has to do with fasting and such. And this week, we're going to be walking through um, the Sabbath. And kind of this uh, situation in this scene where Jesus, Jesus and his disciples are walking with one another on the Sabbath. And really, the disciples are enjoying their time with Jesus on the Sabbath. And now, when you guys hear the word Sabbath, I mean, it's not really a word that we're used to throwing around a whole lot. Like, it's, it's not a word that's going to make you popular by any means at a party, you know, I can't wait to enjoy the Sabbath as Jesus was speaking, like, it's a word that we're just not used to using a whole lot, um, but it's important for us, especially not only in the scene, but for our lives, um, what does it mean for us to have Sabbath rest in Jesus, and so um, before we jump into this passage a little bit, I want to, first I want to pray, because 
Uh, man, I, I want us to hear from God and not from, from myself today. And, and two, um, man, I want to pray that our hearts would just be um, just open to seeing this, this rest that we have in him, that we see all the way back in the garden and w- with Adam and Eve, and what that means for our lives today as Christ has redeemed um, us spiritually to God and our rest with him. So let's go ahead, let's pray again, and pray that God would bless our time. God, we just love you. We thank you for your word um, and how it um, just strikes our hearts, God. Um, without you, we, we would be lost. We'd be lost to our sin and to our brokenness. And God, I'm just thankful that you have redeemed my heart and my brothers and sisters' hearts in these rooms. God, I just pray that during this time together, we would um, just open up our hearts and our minds. This is a passage that I'm sure we have read many times, but God, that you would just help us see it with fresh eyes and fresh hearts, and we'd be obedient to walk out what you are calling us to do. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your name. Amen. So when we look back and when we think of the Sabbath rest, we have to go back to the garden first. And so we see God institute this, this rest for both Adam and Eve. You know, we see God create this, this patch of land for them to live in. He makes it fit for them to live in. And um, this takes the course of six days. And on the seventh day, we see God rest. Now, God didn't rest because he was exhausted. God didn't rest because he needed a, a reboot in his energy or anything. God rested because he simply wanted creation to rest and be still so that way the glory and the praise would all go to God. And that as creation rests, more specifically as Adam and Eve would rest, that they would focus their attention on God. Because God know, know, knows and he knew back then that there's going to be a lot of times in our life that are chaotic and it's, and it's crazy and we have life going on and everything that's happening. And he wants us to have moments to where we can just be still and that we can rest. And that means a couple of different things. Rest can be individually as we are uh, Christians, we're followers of Jesus. Rest can mean in our community groups together throughout the week. Rest can mean today on this day where we get to rest and we get to hear from God as a church family. And so he institutes this day of rest for Adam and Eve, and it is good. I mean, they, they not only, it's not a specific day they get to rest, but they get to rest every day with God. They were walking in the presence of God. Then, as we know the story goes, Adam and Eve decided to run away from God's design. In other words, Adam and Eve thought that their own man-made rest would be better than what God had to offer with his rest. As the serpent tempted them, and they decided to flee from God's design and hold on to their own thinking and their own rest, this obviously cut them off from a relationship with God. That after they, God had abandoned, abandoned them from the garden, separated from him spiritually, he said, look, because you wanted your own rest, now you're going to be left to trying to find your own rest. And we can see through the whole course of history that this has just led to more brokenness and more evil and more pain and more sorrow. But he promised Adam and Eve, he said, look, I'm coming back for you. I love you. And we see that this promise that he made them has developed over the course of Scripture into a better Adam, a better Moses, a better David, a prophet, a king, a priest who is perfect. But before this promised prophet, king, and priest comes to give us and redeem our rest with God, we see throughout the Old Old Testament the rest that mankind tries to find themselves. And if you read through, I mean, it's bad. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in the Old Testament. I mean, you read through, like, gosh, like, God, how could you allow these things to happen? But really, it doesn't point to God's character. It points to the depravity and the evil and the brokenness that we're in because we all continue to try to find our own rest in moments of time. I know I'm guilty of it. 
There's times in my life where I've tried to seek my own rest rather than the rest that God could give me. And this rest has even led me into deeper pits of brokenness and, and, and pain. And so during the Old Testament, as, as Israel needed a guide, because God said he was promising to bring a redeemer to them, before that happened, he gave them some commandments to live by. Now, these commandments that God gave weren't legalistic. They weren't do this, check off this box, and then you can be in a relationship with me. No, God had made a covenant with his people Israel. And a lot of kings around that area during that time would make covenants with their people. And the laws and stipulations that they would give to their people reflected their own character, who they were as a king. And so as God gave his commands and the laws and stipulations to his people, he was reflecting his own character. And God was saying to Israel, look, I love you so much, and I want to walk with you in relationship, but in order to walk with the holy God in relationship, you have to walk in the design that God has created. And so we go through the commandments, and they all reflect God's character and who he is. In the fourth commandment, we see that you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, this wasn't a thing where it's like, check off the box once a week for you guys to go to church to hang out with one another. He said, no, I want you guys to discipline yourself to find moments of rest in your life because it is good for you to rest in me. And so I want you to discipline yourselves in that to keep this day holy, keep it sacred, keep it important for your families because it's not just you're doing another thing, but that you are allowing your hearts to rest in the king, in me. And so he gives these commandments to Israel, and Israel obviously cannot follow them, neither can we. We continue to try to follow God's law, but the more we try to follow it, the more we sin, the more we, we, we are led into more brokenness and more unrest. And so what does God do? He creates more commandments. He creates more laws. So before we know, we have like 600-something laws that they have to follow because every single time they keep breaking these laws, God has to keep corralling them back in. Not legalistically, but saying, look, I love you. I want to walk with you in relationship. So here, here are laws to help you stay within the path that I'm calling you to. Well, we know that it is impossible for us to keep God's commands and his laws. And it's not that his commands and his laws are bad. It's that we, myself, we just can't keep them. We're sinful and God is holy and he is perfect. And so we see all the way up to, to Jesus' time and his life and his ministry here on earth, um, there's a group called the Pharisees. We've, we've gotten to know them pretty well over the course of the last few weeks. And they are people who are opposing Jesus. Now, this group has been around for a few hundred years up to Jesus' point, and they wanted to recapture the discipline of following God and his laws. So what they did, especially with the Roman Empire um, coming in and invading and, and taking over, and Israel allowed them to do that. They wanted a, a king to rule, rule over them, an empire. And, but as they're doing that, the Pharisees knew that they needed to um, have laws that help them follow God. So they started uh, demanding their own or instituting their own man-made laws over God's laws. Think about, I guess you can think about it like this. You know, growing up with siblings, um, we used to babysit our siblings in the summertime when we were on school break. My parents were at work. And, um, you know, mom and dad would say, hey, do not do this while we're gone, all right? Do not be running out on the road, going crazy, leaving on your own. Like, stay in the house, stay in the yard, do these things. I'm like, awesome, perfect. Well, in order for me to help my siblings keep those rules, I would kind of institute Zach's rules. I would say, well, hey, if mom tells you not to just go out on the road, well, how about we just stay inside today and don't go outside because I don't want to have to have you running out on the road. And so as you're trying to institute your own man-made laws, as I'm trying to institute my own Zach laws to them, 
they're like, man, what the heck is this? So if they go outside, I yell at them because they're breaking my law. But really, they didn't break mom and dad's rules. They just broke the rules that Zach instituted. Well, same thing's going on here with the Pharisees is they're instituting their own man-made laws. They're basically saying, if you guys want to break our rules and our laws, then that means you're trying to break God's law. So it became very, very legalistic with, if we do the right things, then salvation will come. If we, if we do the right things that God has called us to do, then he will redeem us and he will come for us. If we do this, then God will, God will respond. Rather than in faith, it was our works. This became such a thing where people were so oppressed by these laws that they just couldn't keep them, and, and it was crazy. So as Jesus approaches and as he is um, walking and doing his earthly ministry, his disciples and him are doing a lot of things that are breaking not God's law, but the so-called man-made laws that the Pharisees has set up in place. They put this elaborate shield around God's law, and we can see in the, in the previous weeks, I mean, Jesus is forgiving sins. He's claiming to have authority over, over our sins. He's healing people. We're going to see he's even healing people on the Sabbath. He's doing things that the Pharisees are like, no way, we got we to gotta execute this man. They already started um, preparing plans to um, capture him and to have him, to have him murdered. And so as we jump in here in verses 23 through 24, again, we're going through verses 23 through 28, and we'll go through a couple uh, verses here, and then we'll, we'll see what, um, we'll talk about what we see here. So it starts off, and it says, One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So a couple things that we're pointing out here that the Pharisees are accusing the, the disciples of doing. First, they're, they're, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, hey, why are your followers breaking the laws of the Sabbath? And the two ways that they're thinking that they're breaking the laws of the Sabbath is one, they're walking too far. So if we, if, if we look, God did not want us to work on the Sabbath or overexceed ourselves so that way we could focus on him, we could worship him, and we could praise him, and we didn't have anything else hindering us from that. Well, the Pharisees took that as, if you walk too many steps, then we're going to count that as traveling, and that is just too much work. So now you guys are sinning because you are walking. They must have been walking. I mean, Jesus and his disciples walked all over, and they walked for a long time, and so they said, you guys are exceeding travel limits. You're breaking the Sabbath. Really, they're breaking the Pharisees' laws. Second thing was, the, the disciples were eating. They were plucking heads of grain, and they were eating, filling their hungry stomachs. Obviously, Jesus said that this was okay for them to do, and the Pharisees were like, no, you're breaking that law as well, because they took that as they, that they were harvesting, that they were working, that they were doing something that they weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath. And so as we see these things, as, as they are accusing Jesus, again, we, we're reminded that they're building this shield, this elaborate human shield over God's law, over his good design for us. And if people break their man-made laws, they start, going, they start going after them and accusing them for breaking God's law. And we see that they, they head straight to Jesus. They don't talk to his disciples, but they talk to his rabbi, his teach, or their, their rabbi and their teacher and their leader. And they say, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath that is so good for us to keep? And as much as I want to just laugh at the Pharisees and say, you idiots, like, what are you doing? Like, why would you get mad for people filling their hungry bellies? Man, I look at my own heart at times, and I look at my own life, and, you know, I have sometimes a certain way I like to spend time with Jesus, or 
you know, if, if I'm journaling or, which I don't journal a whole lot, but if I do journal or um, write down some notes. But then if, if somebody else who, who doesn't maybe do that, maybe their relationship with Jesus and the way that they walk through his word or do this or do that is a little bit different. Sometimes I'm like, man, why are they doing something different than I am? Or my family who's recently um, ha, ha, have become followers of Jesus in the last few years, there's still some things that they're working through, but they're enjoying Jesus, and at times my heart can get judgmental. I think the same can be for all of us at times, that our hearts can relate to these Pharisees as really we're judging people based upon the laws that we're creating in our own heart. And what these Pharisees are doing is they're taking God's good law and they're basically making it into their own image. We see that happen. They're not doing anything different than Israel didn't do on Mount Sinai when they created the golden calf. The Pharisees are taking God's good design and they're making it into their own image. And if you break what they have created, then they're saying that you're breaking God's law. And they attack them for filling their bellies. That's crazy. I'm always hungry. I cannot imagine getting yelled at for smashing a wings and things meal from Zaxby's after church on Sundays just because I wanted to fill my belly. And so we see Jesus respond here, and Jesus always responds well. You see, Jesus is always conforming to God's will, and those who aren't conforming to God's will but yet want to accuse Jesus, Jesus always has something good to say. He responds with a story, a story that they would know very well, and, and a person they would know very well by the name of David. So Jesus responds, and he said to them, he said, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? And, and he and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So Jesus is recounting this story during David's time, which really the high priest was Ahimelech. His son was Abiathar, but the high priest was his father at the time. And David was running from King Saul. And so, as David was running from King Saul, King Saul was trying to murder him because David was a dude and he did exactly what King Saul hired him to do. He was, he was uh, called by God as a small shepherd to be, as, as a young shepherd boy, to be the future king of Israel. His time hadn't come yet, but he got brought into King Saul's army and his family because, and counted as a son by him because he killed Goliath with a stone. And after that, he just started, he became the greatest warrior of, warrior of Israel. And his time to be king yet wasn't there, but King Saul was jealous of him, so he was chasing him one time. I don't know if you guys have ever been on the run for days and days at a time because people are chasing you, but David obviously must have been hungry, and his friends must have been hungry. And so they roll up throughout this town to the high priest's house, and they needed to eat. Now the high priest, on the Sabbath, they, they, they baked these delicious lo loaves of bread that they were only able to eat. Nobody else was able to eat them. It was very strict by God not to have anybody else eat them besides themselves to enjoy. But they gave it to David and his friends. And nowhere in scripture do we see that this passage is condemned in any way. Do we see that what the high priest did to fill the bellies of these men in need was wrong by any means. And I think that's why it's important. What Jesus is saying, for one, like, don't be yelling at these guys for filling their belly on the Sabbath, but two, like, God is the one who took care of his people. God is the one who served David and his friends. Yes, it was the high priest, but God was the one who provided for them on the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath wasn't made for us to fill any requirements, as you'll see in a second. But God has created the Sabbath for us so that we may enjoy him and his rest. It's just crazy that 
They went after them for for filling their bellies. And yet, them looking back at the story of a man that they, I'm sure, idolized, who Jesus is, is the better David, that even David was served food. Even his friends were served food that wasn't lawful for them to eat. And in the New Living Translation, I, I love this next verse that, that, that we come up on at, at the end of that, in verse 27, when Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So after telling this, this story, Jesus makes it very clear to them that the Sabbath wasn't created for us to meet its requirements, but it was created for our good rest. And in the New Living Translation, it says the Sabbath is meant to meet the needs of God's people and not God's people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And that goes all the way back to the garden. I mean, God had instituted this thing, not for us just to follow another rule, but for us to be able to be placed at his feet and to enjoy his presence. Because I know it is impossible for me, it is impossible for us to meet the needs and the requirements of God's law and the requirements of, of everything that he commands us to do. The Sabbath through Christ, in Christ, and only Christ, he was meant to, to satisfy our needs and all of our needs and nothing else. And what's beautiful is that Jesus frees us from the legalism that our hearts can so easily get entangled with. Jesus frees us from the legalism that we see the Pharisees give out here. And Jesus welcomes us into a, a free rest. A rest that doesn't just have to happen on a Sunday. It doesn't have to just be on a specific day. But a rest that we get to have with Jesus continually. Just as Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, we are returned one day fully in the presence of God. But right now as the Holy Spirit is living in us, we get to enjoy him. It doesn't matter how far we walk. It doesn't matter if we're power washing our house on a Sunday. We get to enjoy Jesus and, and rest in him. He invites us into a redeemed rest that is joyful that is peaceful, that is assured, and that is totally free. And I think it's important for us as a church that we discipline ourselves in, in Sabbath rest. Now, I, I don't just mean for us, again, to check off boxes for us to make sure we're here on a Sunday. That's not, that's not, what, that's not what the heart of this is. The heart of this is that we would discipline ourselves just as we want to discipline ourselves to spend time in God's word, to place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. That we discipline ourselves to, to be here as a church family so that way we can worship together. We can pray for one another. We get to pray together. We get to, we get to eat food together. We get to sing together and hear from God's word. That is good for us. Because God is giving us rest in that. Or our community groups throughout the week. Man, I don't know what we would do without our community groups. It's so special for us to be able to go and hang out with our brothers and sisters and to pray with one another and laugh with one another and share God's word with one another. That is rest. That is rest that only Christ can give us. And individually, as, as we want to pursue Jesus with our lives, as, as we walk with him and read his, his word daily, as we worship him, that can be while we're sitting down at a table or at work reading his word. Or for me, I was joking with Becky about this the other day. Um, or it can be with me uh, as I'm picking up dog poop in the backyard. Because sometimes it's just a moment to where it's, I'm by myself, and as I'm in the backyard working, man, I get to just hang out with God in a crazy moment like that. I can say, man, God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for, for not allowing it to rain and making this backyard messy and other messy stuff messy. Like, 
just thank you for that. And it, and it gets in my heart in a time where I get to worship God and I get to spend time with him. That's the eternal rest, the Sabbath rest that Jesus gives us. But we have to discipline ourselves in that. But these moments that we're, we're walking in rest as a church, as a community group, as individuals, that, that is a glimpse of heaven meeting earth. That one day when, when we're in heaven, as heaven is, is, is coming here but it's not fully here yet, we're going to worship together, we're going to serve together, we're going to do all these things together except it's going to be perfect, it's going to be sinless, we're not going to be physically exhausted. This is the rest that Christ calls us into. And this is the rest that his disciples during this moment were experiencing. They were experiencing a rest with God himself in human flesh. And so Jesus ends here in verse 28. After he says that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man, that the Sabbath was made for man, but not man for the Sabbath, he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That Jesus himself is Lord over the rest that God has instituted for us. It's another authoritative statement that he makes. He's forgiving sins. He's performing miracles. He's saying that he, he is the one to come to bring, to, to, to bring man back in relationship with God. This is an authoritative statement. That not only is he claiming that he can forgive sins, that even he has instituted, he has created, and he is Lord over the Sabbath that was instituted in the garden. From eternity to eternity, Jesus is Lord of all. Not only is he Lord of the Sabbath, but that means also he is Lord of our hearts. Every single person in here, Jesus is Lord over our hearts. It doesn't matter how we're feeling in that certain day. It doesn't matter what we're going through. The facts and the truth don't change of who Jesus is. And Jesus deems what is lawful and not lawful on the Sabbath. Man, I love that. I love that I'm not going to get yelled at for, for eating a great meal or walking too far while I'm resting with Jesus. That's good. Even though the Pharisees wanted to deem what is lawful or not lawful or, or clean or not clean, we see Jesus already. He deems what's clean and not clean. What does he do after he calls Matthew the tax collector? They're sitting at a table with other tax collectors, and the Pharisees are like, why are you with those messed up people? Jesus deems who is clean and is not clean, because he has come to make us clean, not us to make ourselves clean. Jesus is Lord of, of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of our heart. And so a few things for us as Christians, what does this mean for us as we walk into, walk into our weeks today, starting today? Well, for Christians, I think it means that Man, let's make it a point and discipline ourselves to enjoy Jesus. Whether, we're, whether life is busy with work or with family, that we would enjoy our rest that we have in Jesus. Whether that means going out in creation and enjoying him, sitting outside in this brisk, cool weather that I love, and it just pumps me up because it was like 48 degrees this morning when I woke up. It was nice. Anyway, we get to enjoy our rest with Jesus. So as Christians, discipline ourselves to place our, our, ourselves at his feet in his word. Place ourselves at his feet in, in worshiping him. And also, too, even as we're serving and as we're loving our city, we get to wash buses like we did yesterday. We washed buses as we were serving God, we were worshiping him. We were in fellowship with one another. We were enjoying him. We were at rest. Now I was physically tired, but spiritually, man, I, I was filled. Because I got to hang out with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we got to serve God. So as Christians... That's what that can look like for us as we're enjoying Jesus in the Sabbath rest. And Jesus claiming to have authority over the Sabbath and stating that he has authority over the Sabbath 
means that we don't just have to worship Jesus on this day or that day or another day. We get to worship him whenever because his spirit lives in us, that he has redeemed this rest that we have broken through our sin in him. Not only here on earth, but our eternal rest as well. And for the unbeliever, I don't know where people's hearts, hearts are in this room, but for the unbeliever, man, maybe, maybe your rest has been, has been found in many other things and you have never trusted in the gospel. Maybe you have never trusted in the truth that Jesus is the only one who can give you rest through his life, his death, and his resurrection. That by our sin, there had to be a, a debt to be paid, and only Jesus is good enough to pay that debt. That through Jesus' perfect life here on earth, he, he proved and he showed to love God perfectly. Him and the Father were in perfect communion with one another. In heaven and while Jesus was here on earth. And as Jesus was here on earth, he never broke God's law. Why? Because it came from a place of a a joyful heart of serving and loving the Father. It was never a to-do list. It was a relationship. It is a relationship. And the same thing with the Sabbath. Jesus never broke it because he was enjoying community with God, the Father. And Jesus became a perfect sacrifice for us that as he was on the cross, our debt had to be paid because sin has to be dealt with and Jesus was murdered for our sin. Not only was he murdered for our sin and stayed in the grave, but he was risen from the grave. That is the great news is that Jesus gave up his rest, his physical rest, to be punished for our sin so that we may have eternal rest in him. And when he busted out of the grave and now claims authority, still yes, over the Sabbath and over all things that he instituted, but now he claims authority even over our sin, over our death, and over the grave. And so we get to have eternal rest in Christ. So I don't know where your hearts are, but man, if, if you haven't trusted in the gospel, I plead with you and beg you, not just to have a, an, an eternal stamp to say, yes, I'm saved, but that you would enjoy Jesus here on earth and be welcomed into his mission of making disciples. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us as we, as we go out of here today and um, a couple things of how we can rest in Christ uh, this week and help others rest in Christ. Yes, jump into community groups. Yes. Make it, make it a priority to be here with our church family and to, to lead your family throughout the weeks in worship of, of Jesus. But also, too, as Christians, we get to help other people rest. And as Andrew had mentioned earlier with Miracle Hill, their staff is kind of having a hard time to rest right now. Their, their, their staff is exhausted, as he, as he explained, the, the COVID breakout and everything. They're, they're just exhausted trying to um, help other people who, who are sick and confined. And um, Man, so, so we, we got reached out to to see if we could write some encouragement notes and we have 10 notes back there, and all we have to do is just sign our name on each of the cards. And how good would it be for, for our fellow brothers in Christ who are working hard and who are exhausted that by reading a note from us and know that we are praying for them, that they maybe can find some rest in that as well. And so I'd love for you guys to, to do that on your way out. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to um, finish up with worship here. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, just thank you for, for giving us rest. Thank you for allowing us to enjoy this, this Sabbath, God. God, forgive us for times and moments where we want to judge others, God, or, or place our own man-made laws over your good design and your good laws that give us life. Help us love people where they're at, God. Serve people where they're at. And help other people enjoy the rest that you only can give. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.